Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it's the Anfield Wrap. Me, Gareth Roberts, presenting this week. And uh, with me, I've got Tony Barrett, John Gibbons and Mike Nevin. Uh, we're going to be talking about last night's Watford game and uh, everything that's to follow, really. Uh, three games left, so are Liverpool going to get in the Champions League? Uh, what do we think of all the players? What do we think might happen next season? We're just going to have a big chat. There's not there's not a big strict agenda for this one. Uh, but it wasn't a classic. Uh, Liverpool did all the things they've been criticised for, though they fought, they dug in. They won aerial battles, the keeper came for things, and most of all, they won. So, uh, just starting at the start, uh, I'll start with you, Tony. Um, from the very first kickoff, really, it was clear, I think, what what Wofford's game plan was, not it? And, and they were very physical from the very first whistle. Well, they were, and rightly so, because that brought them success in the game against Liverpool last season, which was a 3 0 win for them. And they obviously thought going the same way. And Alan Pard, I watched Home on Sky, and Alan Pard, he was. was coming up with all the things about Liverpool are a team you can get at uh, the keepers are weakness uh, then the game goes on and the commentators kept saying a Klopp won't be happy with this and I'm thinking you know what I think he will be happy with this because I think the misjudgment is to think that Klopp wants Liverpool playing like they were in October when Klopp's long since a- accepted that the Liverpool of March, April, May is not going to be the Liverpool of last autumn so the Liverpool of now is one that he looks to control away games, one which he looks for the team to be physical, to be resolute, to be mentally strong. It's not going to be a team that goes and creates seven, eight clear-cut chances like it, as I say they were doing early in the season. So I, I, I do think that that was that game plan was what he wanted, and, and the idea is always that within that game plan you'll have superior quality, and at a certain point that that quality will show. Uh, it nearly showed when Lallana struck the bar, which would great have been a shot. great goal in itself. And then it does in in the kind of circumstances that I don't think anyone would have expected. And, uh, chance over a kick is for me one of the, one of the great Liverpool goals. When you look at the size of the man, when you look at the timing of the run, when you look at the springs to get up there, you look at the technique, you look at the way the ball arcs into the top corner. Everything about it. I'm one of those. I love team goals. I love passing moves and all that. So great ball in by Lucas, by the way. Yeah. But I love passing moves. Love it when Liverpool break teams down and score. That wasn't quite like that, but. In terms of individual skill, it's up there with any that you'll ever see. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I think what we've seen before, Mike from Liverpool, maybe in these types of games, and in, indeed when we played Watford a, about a year or so ago, um, it did feel then and not last night that they could be bullied, that they could be troubled by by, by the the likes of Troy Deeney, for example. And there was some quite hefty challenges going in there. I mean, you know. Coutinho's off early there's other ones you know Firmino's nearly sent into the standby Dini at one point and the referee's not intervening for some reason uh, Dini tries to throw a little stamp on Mignola even at one point and so again it, it was clear and it was clear like Tony says from what Pardew was saying on the telly that there is a thing out there you know Liverpool can be bullied and yeah you know you look at Stoke West Brom and now this Klopp's gone a long way to fix it it seems yeah, it certainly seems to. I think we've we've challenged the perception that we don't have to fight the bottle and the character over the last couple of months, really. And Tony and I were talking before the the first half of the season. It, it was it was great to admire the the free flowing football. We haven't actually played any of that really since Christmas, um, but we've become a lot better at dogging out results. Um, last night was a case in point. West, it was very similar to West Brom in terms of the time that we got the goal. Um, I think. I agree that you know Klopp's being a bit more pragmatic about the way games are going to turn out, and so you are going to rely on your greater quality. Um, just as far as the goals concerned, I mean, Liverpool in their, in their history haven't scored many spectacular overhead goals. I mean, there's the Quates one in in recent times that, that that stands out, but not not a, not many of of, of that ilk. And Barnsley and Blackburn, but that's right, it was a good didn't one. We wasn't lost it? both those games, didn't we? we lost that and two, yeah, yeah. So the, so it's nice to get a, a winning goal um, in such uh, spectacular fashion. But I don't think you can overstate its brilliance because it's it's the height that he is off the off the ground when he strikes <clears> it, and you know for. For a big man to be able to sort of arc his body into that position and get such a clean contact on the ball, I mean, even that uh, 
famous Rooney overhead and uh, a couple of Miss two, three or four. It, it was off the shin, wasn't it? Yeah. This was absolutely off the instep, and it actually it seemed to curve in as well. Yeah. Um, my initial reaction was that it was going wide, and I, I, I was quite shocked to see, to see it ripple the net. But it was, um, yeah, it was a goal worthy of winning the game, um, and it was out of place really with the, the overall proceedings, where there wasn't an awful lot of quality. But as I say, I mean that's uh, that's something that Liverpool have added to the, to the game. You know what? You know what else was great about the goal as well was was Emery Chan's interview because there's so much media train bollocks when when someone scored a great goal and they yeah. say oh you know it, it's all about the three points and it's all about the team and Emre just yeah. went nah it's the best goal I've ever scored Yeah, and, and I, I was like you know rightly so I like big yourself up definitely and uh, you know that, maybe that's an expression of the sort of personal journey that he's been on as well it's been difficult for him this season um, the calf injury that he'd been suffering from more or less all the way through the season hadn't been particularly well documented publicly I think it was only sort of revealed after the Burnley game which is another game where he's got another superb winning goal and I think gradually he's what, what he's done is played himself into Liverpool season he's had the opportunity to start because there's been injuries and I think now we're looking at him as a quality player um, I think there, was, there were lots of doubts about him he was quite erratic um, and certainly for the time being, I think he's put a lot of those doubts behind him. And for Liverpool now, it's it's essential really that he gets tied up on a on a longer deal because he can't afford to be losing players of his of, of what is still a lot of potential um, in terms of his age and his development as a midfielder. I mean, there's been doubts about him, hasn't he? But I I think that the thing that I would probably come back to it on is if if right now say, say goes tomorrow, he's not going to, but say goes tomorrow, what are you paying? To, to buy Emery Chan or, well, he'd probably or the start, and you're probably starting with an, another project um, and I think people forget how many games he's played for Liverpool I mean it's upwards of 100, 100 performances 100 appearances for Liverpool he's actually quite experienced now um, and I think that's where you see you see, you are beginning to see signs of his progr- progression into a more mature midfielder he does a lot he does a lot of, lots of different things and if he can add a few more goals to his game and that's it's five in the five, league for this yeah. season mm. um, you know if he can be aiming for you know double figures then I think you've got something approaching the, the complete midfielder what Mike Mike said about the journey spot on if you go back two months I don't think anyone would have been clamouring for Emre Chan to be in the no. team whereas people now people were quite blasé about the contract issue as well weren't they oh yeah and you could, now, now you couldn't contemplate a Liverpool team without him in it it's one of those, mm. if, if everyone's available, you, he's playing. It's that simple. And he's grown in stature. I think he's an actual leader. I don't think Liverpool have got many, but I think he does have that stature about him. And that was, I mean, the goal last night, it's brilliant technique. But it's also that thing, that, that desire to make the game about you. I'm going to be the one who makes the difference. I'm going to make this run. I'm going to show me ability. I'm going to score the goal. That that gets us three points. And that's the type of leadership and not to ways. Just on his contract, it, it's always more difficult than it seems from the outside. And it's His big thing is he wants to play. So when the contract negotiations start, he's not in the team. So he quite rightly says, I want to see where I am in the team. Jordan Henderson's playing, I'm not. I've got a few injury problems, the manager's not picking me. I'm going to have to wait and see how this goes. But something else that you always have to bear in mind is how you came to get the player. The player came to Liverpool because his agent manipulated the clause in his contract, took him from out of Bayern to, to uh, Bayer Leverkusen, had a clause inserted and, and Liverpool ex exploit that clause so when you come about a player like that you have to ac- expect that when the contract negotiations come about they're not going to be straightforward because mm. the agent's going to do everything he can to act in the- they all do anyway but he's- the agent's going to do everything he can to act in the best interest of the player and that- that's just the reality of life now John you're, you you were in the ground last night um, I mean Emre as well as the the brilliant goal and I'd like you to tell us about what how the end went off for that one <laughs> but also as well I mean like I think like's being said there um, for a while now he feels like the one in the midfield who, who's got that thing where he says right I'm going to make things happen the stuff like you used to see you know from from a Steven Gerrard from that type of figure where you know they'll just he'll, he'll go on there he, he tried it a few times last night he goes on them runs he takes two or three people on yeah. to try and have a shot or or win a free kick or j- just make something happen really yeah he has he, he does take it on himself and at least that kind of leader what Tony was talking about so I'm glad he's carrying the ball now more I think that's something that's developed into his game really he's got like a bit of a, a bit of a sidestep and he'll he'll, 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 he'll he'll you know he won't necessarily smash someone for pace but just just because they don't really know quite what he's going to do when he when he carries it forward he can he can catch a, a few midfielders out and that's good because it takes people out the game when when they're sat deep and they're you know say well you kind of break us down and he's got that in him I think as you know I was going to say nearly as impressive as the finish but it's not because that's the, the finish ridiculous but the purpose of that run's great because you know you've been looking at this team last few weeks and saying you know what is it are we are we an attacking player short? You know the midfield looks a bit too workman like, and without maybe Lallana there or whatever, and 
is there, is there someone who can who can break the lines and can get forward like what Lana was doing? Well, well Shan does that. He, he takes it on himself to kind of to burst into that space, and it's it's a control finish as well, which is which is just kind of incredible, really. And I think that catches out Gomez, who who just doesn't sort of move. And uh, to answer your question about the end, I think it was just a bit of shock, really. Like everyone was, a few people had disappeared for a pint. I'm, I'll be honest <laughs> with you, um, and uh, I was in there, and and well, um, you know, you're just looking at each other, just laughing, and like you know, you just sort of almost forget to celebrate. Then you're like, oh yeah, you know, go as well because it's at the other end as well. So you're like, bloody hell! And then good on Watford, they show all the replays, like which a lot of clubs don't. You know, if you, if 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 the opposition do something good, they're like, oh no, nah, forget that. But they they showed about three replays, and there's just kind of cheers every time you see it go in again like a brilliant moment and, and a really good moment for him and his confidence is there and I agree with the lads he does need tying down because I think aside from everything else he brings and I, I think I think I've pretty much most of the club, not not every club in Europe, but most of the clubs would be having a look at him if if suddenly Emery Chan become available. And I think it it becomes a failure of the policy of investing in youth if you if you play them. While the raw, wait till they get better, and then and then don't take advantage yeah, yeah, of it. Yeah. It just sort of becomes like, well, what, what was the what was the point of the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, he is the archetypal um, sort of money ball signing in a way because I mean, it was about ten million pound that we got him for, which was very much based on potential, as Tony says, you know, sort of exploiting the clause in the contract as well. So his actual worth, even at the time of signing, could have been significantly higher. One thing I've, I've really liked about him and, and the way that he's, he's played himself into form, it's been through scrapping, really. Um, there was the game at City, when the, the, the game became quite chaotic, he threw in a, a couple of decent challenges that gave Liverpool a bit of momentum, gave his own game a little bit of tempo. Um, and in that quite functional three of Lucas, Wijnaldum and Shan, he's the one who can just sort of sprinkle a little bit of stardust. He's the one that's got a little bit more beyond what you might describe as normal ability. Um, I think he's, you know, he's, got, he's got an element of class to, to his game. And as I say, do you, you think know, that's actually sort of prescribed as well? So, so I mean, I was looking at last night's our midfield, and I was thinking exactly what you just said that you know it looks a bit workman like with with, with Lucas with Van Alzum, and I, but it felt like they were very disciplined those two, uh, and that Ch- Chan had more of a license to sort of be you know go do those runs. They 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 very much held their shape a lot. I know Lucas plays the ball and yeah. it's a good ball, and he's he's now got something mad like three assists in five games, mm. and before that the, the similar numbers in about one hundred and sixty-seven or something. But uh, you know, fair play to him. Yeah. But uh, and. I think I think Chan's probably got more license to get forward. Yeah. He, in, earlier in the season, he talked about the the contrast with play, between playing the number six position, which he occasionally do, done uh, as a deputy for Henderson, and then playing further forward as as a number eight, as they call it. Um, and what I thought was interesting about last night's game, though, and the way that the midfield set up is that although nominally Lucas be holding in the in the six role, he, his his position on the field was significantly higher at times. Um, and, and it was from that sort of uh, space in, on the field where he where he supplies the assist. Um, and I was I was just quite interested really to see. I think obviously Watford sat very deep off Liverpool and it gave Liverpool the opportunity to push up further. But I thought Lucas's position was interesting. I think Wijnaldum didn't have the greatest of games. But he was probably doing a lot of unseen work because you know sort of filling in for for Chan getting forward and Lucas uh, occupying occupying spaces higher up. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, you mentioned before I wanted to get you all on this. That there was a lot of criticism on the telly. On I saw also seen it on the BBC Live blog. It's also a piece in the Guardian today. Uh, all very critical of, of of what Liverpool did last night, and yet Liverpool won. Liverpool won an absolutely crucial away, and in the type of game that you know they've been known to lose in the past. And I just thought that first half. All right, it's not entertaining to watch. It's not great to watch. There aren't loads of chances, etc. And so on. But Liverpool have all the ball. Liverpool's defenders win the battles. The keepers come when he has to. He makes saves when he has to. You know, there's loads of positives there, and yet there's a big focus on that. It's not a lovely game to watch in that first half. But it's some of its accidents, some of its design, is it? Because the accidents are the injuries. So you lose money. You you, you lose a lot of your <clears throat> attacking thrust. It's a lot of the I reasons why. On the night. Yeah, a lot of the reasons why you're irresistible in in October. No longer there in that game last night, and particularly after Coutinho goes off. It's a totally different game. You, also, you're playing through Origi rather than Firmino, which I think is a problem, but uh, it's needs most of the moment. You've got to do whatever you can, get bodies out on the pitch. Uh, and I think the design elements, Klopp's, Klopp did recognise this, and I wasn't sure whether he was the type of manager who could execute this kind of formation, this kind of plan. Uh, but I think Liverpool, for several years, not just this one, 
several years have needed to be a team that can be robust at difficult away games. I look at Atletico Madrid, they were always the template for me. Everyone wants Liverpool to be Real Madrid, but we're not there yet, we're nowhere near there. So let's be the best that we can be at the moment. At the moment, that means going to difficult places where you're not going to be able to play that kind of football and find a way to win. And that, to me, was always the Liverpool way. Whenever people said Liverpool way, to me, it was find a way to win. Don't get carried away with that way or that way. Just get there and do whatever it takes. Get out with the points. And, and that's what they've done in three successful away games. In three away games that, I think a lot of people looked at and thought, this is where Liverpool's top four hopes go up in smoke. Stoke, West Brom, Watford. Three teams, direct, long throws, corners, set pieces. Everything that Liverpool can't deal with. And they've come away and they've conceded one goal in those three games. And it hasn't been nice to watch. No one would pay to watch those games again. But the game last night is illuminated by one moment of genius, but the rest of the game, no one's needed to see it. It isn't a good football match. But in terms of getting results that matter, that is the approach that Liverpool need more of. And the, the big thing for me now is that I didn't want Liverpool to go all guns blazing into the top four. I wanted Liverpool to limp into the top four. So I think if Liverpool went all guns blazing, it would cover up a lot of the weaknesses that mm. are there. I think the way it is, we can see all the weaknesses. We can see the lack of strength in depth. We can see the lack of firepower at times up front. We can see the need for a little bit more class midfield. We can see the need for a top-class centre-back. We can see the need for maybe a right-back to give us a little bit more options than Klein's given us, because I think Klein's been awful for six or seven months. I think all those little weaknesses to the fore, I think now they can be dealt with. Had we gone in all guns playing, and we're not there yet, but if we get into the top four, no problem at all, you might be able to go, we don't actually need to do that much this team, and I think this team needs a lot of work. Well, I'll do the full-backs. I had that down as a thing to, to talk about. I think uh, Milner saw a lot of the ball last night. Uh, as Tony said, uh, Klein look, looked to be struggling at times. Certainly, you know, he's, he's, he's sort of getting to a certain point on the pitch, and then it's almost, he hasn't really got an idea what to do next. I wonder whether some of that is down to actual people being in the box. I mean, there was one where he was, he was looking to square, and there wasn't really anyone there. I noticed that, but... In general, though, it feels there's a lot of conversations now about both fullbacks and about whether basically we can go another season, especially one where we hope to be challenging. And, and bear in mind the standard of the league as well. I wanted to mention that too because you know Spurs conceivably could finish with 89 points this season and not win the league, and that that's sort of the, that bar seems to be where we're going to be. For, for going forward, really, because you know, don't you don't see Spurs breaking up that side? If anything, they're probably going to improve it. Chelsea the same, Man United, Man City are both spend money, and so on and so on. So that's that's the the type of points totally you've got to aim for, sort of every season, and hope that it's your season almost. So if Liverpool, if Liverpool go into next season with Klein and Milner at fullback uh, as a plan. You know how are you gonna how are you gonna feel about about that? I'll feel all right with it. I think I think that the plan seems to be is to get a younger left back in, ship Moreno out, and kind of let him develop. I'm, I think Milner's been one of the better left backs this season. I think I know what you're saying about you know looking at the standard out there, but in terms of full backs, I don't see a huge amount in in natural ability between Klein and say Kyle Walker, who, who might be going to Barcelona apparently. But you know I don't I don't see a huge amount there. I just think Klein looks to me like he's he's played a lot of football without a break, and he's, he's sort of his head's. Is tired. I think he's he's quite mentally tired. I don't, I don't think physically he's, he's allowed to. Get, he's, he's going on, but he just. I don't know. He's, he's, his head just seems a bit muddled to me. There's not that clarity of force, as you say. He's getting there and and, and kind of not really sure what we do. Whereas we've seen good attacking performances from him, so we know he can do it. I just think he needs he needs maybe a, a summer off and, and just and just time to to get his head right again. And obviously, if if, if Trent Alexander Arnold could keep developing as well, then there's chances to give him a bit of a break and you know to give him a bit of a, a bit of a you know kick up the ass maybe as well. I don't know, so I'm not. I'm not worried about our fullbacks. Really, I think. I think we could do with greater competition in terms of these extra games we're going to have next season. But hopefully, that'll come from buying a young young left back that they'll have from Fulham or whoever, and then and then and then Trent can continue to develop. I think. I think that'll be okay for us next season. I think. I think Mike on Milner. A lot of people. A lot of people are saying is that, is that he always has to check to his other foot because he's, he's essentially on the wrong side and he's, he's done a, he's, he's done a job on that side all season but again you know is it is it that almost good enough and I guess it's about where you shuffle your money as well I mean I've seen you Tony saying a couple of times about you know there, there was this 
this report or a few reports about 200 million being spent and all this sorts of things and you've you've dampened that a little bit and said it might not it might not be that well, much. do you think they're getting 40 for storage and 30 for sacco so yeah, yeah so i mean you know get i guess it's that as well isn't it i mean i think i think we can always say you can upgrade on players but it's what ones you're going to upgrade on yeah you can't I'm, do it all in one summer i think i mean Generally speaking, it's it's a difficult one talking about Liverpool's fullbacks because of the way that Klopp probably wants to play as as his as his ideal system, which is them occupying spaces really really high. Um, and it's noticeable at any point of the game. You, you see the positions that Mil- Milner and and Klein are taking up. You know that they're, they're inside the opposition half for the most part. So it's a difficult position to play. I think. Um, I think that accentuates some of the some of the issue around Milner because you know he's, he's getting on a little bit. But I think he's had a very solid def- defendable season. I think defensively, Klein's been quite consistent. Um, although I think he was he was he was more effective going forward early in the season. I do think that's down to legs and playing a lot of games. I'm relatively happy with him as a solid defensive option, which ought to be his primary objective. Um, so I'm I'm quite relaxed about that. But I think it it, it does come down to the competition and and the ability to be able to, if not rotate, um, sort of manage it really uh, across two two major competitions, which we'll have hopefully next season. I think that's that 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 is the main issue. But I also think with Milner, I think possibly his one-footedness is accentuated by the fact that we don't have an, a left footer player in the team, um, and in, in, in an obvious sense of balance, Liverpool lack left-footedness. Mm. Um, now that that could be partly solved by employing a left a left-footed player higher up the pitch uh, in midfield or as one of the three strikers. But it seems to me that it sort of accentuates his his, his right-sidedness and always having to come inside. I think early in the season, though, he was a, he was a really good outlet for Liverpool. He saw a lot of the ball, but he, play, he played a lot of incisive balls inside that when we had a sort of a full complement of, of attacking players in Firmino and Coutinho picking up the ball between the lines... Um, he, he was often uh, quite an effective uh, attacking option for Liverpool. That seems to have gone on the wane, I think, over the last couple of months or so as we've become a bit more prosaic in our play. Do you think the focus, Tony, is maybe that you know some of these games we played, like last night, for instance, there's almost an onus that falls on like the full-backs or like Lucas at, at times to, to almost do stuff that... He shouldn't have to really because because the creative players are so locked up by you know Watford's tactics. I mean, we we didn't see much of Firmino, for example, last night, did we? You know, given what he's been doing recently. No, and I, th- I think we have to get used to that. I mean, we all do this now where we look at every individual performance and say, well, he hasn't done much tonight, but the team's won. Mm. And th- and that's the thing we've got to get back mm. into. I think as Liverpool sports, we've sort of lost that that bigger picture and that that idea that you. The games that you do just have to grind it out and individuals aren't going to shine, it's not going to be their day. It just can't be because the tactical way you're setting up, because the way the opposition's setting up, there's no way that they can impose the way themselves on the games they would usually. Just, just on Klein, I've, I've, the, last, the last three months for me, I, I think he's... I, I don't think it's energy with him. I think, it's, I think it, he's got certain weaknesses that are being found out. Uh, the, Allardyce did something very early in the Palace game where he switched Zaha and Townsend and he basically sacrificed Townsend it, uh, Zaha Zaha's their best player best footballer but he, took, he put him over onto the left side on Klein's side and the reason for that was he knew that Townsend on the left would shut Liverpool down he would press he would harry and that would mean Milnet, Coutinho everyone on that left side would have a problem and he gave Liverpool the right and if you look back at that first half, especially the amount of times Liverpool played overlaps and Klein's a spare man, Allardyce gave them that space in the belief that Klein couldn't hurt them. Now, when teams are trying to shut you down, it's a problem if your outlet can't hurt teams. And then I looked at last night, there was, there was a couple of instances, one where Yanmap beats him and gets a dangerous crossing, and then at the other end, within the space of 30 seconds, Klein can't beat Yanmap, and he, he crosses against him, comes back, hits him in the face and goes out, which is unlucky, but... Again, there's no there's no threat at one end and the other end, and then for the for the, for their chance at the end, for all that the Liverpool can't defend high balls, Klein's out of position. Klein's totally out of position. The 94th minute of a football match, we have to win. His form is gone. Now, what where I agree with with the lads is that doesn't mean it's a priority. The priority is to get his form back. The priority isn't to sell him. Liverpool have done this before. Players lose form, panic, buy, change. Liverpool have to look at the bigger pitch and say we've got Trent coming through who Steven Gerrard used the way he's a beauty about last week very deliberately and I 
it's not that that's been my opinion at Trent for some time, but more importantly, people who know have that opinion. We've got to make sure there's a pathway for Trent, and the obvious pathway is to keep Klein and for there to be a gradual progression and a gradual change. And at the same for me, should the player on the left, Milner's not an emergency. He's not his best. He's he's got too many games in his legs. You don't have to bomb him out. Mm. Keep him in until there's someone better to replace him. And I think if you look at loads of the poop players over the last decade who've been sold and then the replacements come up, come in, we would have been so much better keeping them and getting a, a replacement who we could school and bring through gradually, which was the old Liverpool way. I think in, in some ways Trent is the ideal sort of uh, deputy for, for, for Klein in the sense that he, he he will offer you a lot more going forwards and I think it just we'll have the opportunity to to bring him in uh, and, and and just have, give him an, an amount of games so that he can develop in his own time because he obviously you know, he's still really really inexperienced um, but I think as Tony said says there I mean Klein's had better phases of the season I, I just think that generally speaking he's been relatively consistent uh, albeit that uh, you, you know you point out a couple of defensive lapses <coughs> last night I, th- I think Certainly, the game against City earlier in the a month or so ago, I thought he was excellent in that game, stepping out of out of defence, anticipating the ball. I, I think you know we, we do we do fixate on players dips in form, um, and that that that's been a little bit of a thing with him. But I think generally speaking, he's had a solid season. I think we started the show as well by talking about how hard Watford make it for you, and they don't make it. You know the hardest they, they make it is for the fullbacks. I thought, and I didn't know too much about Niang, and he was like a bit of a kind of a wonder kid from AC Milan. I didn't realize how big he was, and he yeah. was just battering into Milner all yeah. the time. And I thought, I thought this was meant to be like you know this 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 nippy lad who like you know, and he was just like he, he was, was smart in money yeah, as well. I don't yeah. think he even knows what he's doing himself. Like he's got ability, but yeah. you, you just you, he's totally unpredictable. But he was just abso- an absolutely battering. He was into Milner. He didn't give Milner like yeah. a second on the ball really. And then you you know you've got. You know, the, the other lads that they've got up front as well, like Deanie's all over the place. He's just taking it in turns to bully different people, isn't he? And so, and, and I think, so the, I was think, looking at that game and thinking, well, you know, you, you've got to earn the right to play like you do, what for, especially for the fullbacks. Like, they, they kind of really knew in the game. So I think, you know, they did all right in terms of kind of what was thrown at them. All right, well, on another one, a similar vein, really, in, in terms of a, a continual conversation among Liverpool fans is is, is a Rigi. Um, and I think. I've seen him getting criticised again in some quarters for, for last night. Um, he, he isn't involved a lot. Uh, he has he has a couple of efforts on goal. He, he latches onto that great ball from Matip um, and does the defender, but then doesn't really test the goalkeeper with the shot. There's the one where he goes outside and, and forces a, a save from Gomez as well. But in general, I mean... I've seen people like said like people were commenting on our Facebook page last night just saying, hey, just, just drop him. And I was like, well, well who for? You know, he's he's in the side because there's injuries at the moment, but also all the usual caveats, he's young and everything else. I mean, where just stands on, on a Rigi, Tony, and he's having a tough time. He is, but I think there's enough to be persevered with. There's loads of weaknesses, and there's a glare in ones. From kick-off, his first touch yesterday, I counted, he took eight touch with his first touch. So it was eight touches, bang, 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 bang. Against Crystal Palace, there was there was one, there was two occasions in the box where the ball was played into his feet, and he crying out, just roll your man, turn him get your shot off and he took five, six, seven, eight touches and that's each of which took him further and further outside the box and all of this is a, a display of technical ability and he's shielding the ball well but he's not going, he's not threatening with it mm. and when you're the, the, the pinnacle of the team, you're the front man, you've got to do more than that. He, he doesn't trouble the opposition enough, there's, there's no question about that and you look at the things he doesn't do. Sometimes when crosses come in and you want him to attack the ball in the air, he doesn't do that well enough. He's not there either, is he, in, in terms of his position? I mean, the one I mentioned before, I think it's Klein who squares it. And it, it, it's not it's not the worst ball in the world. And no, Origi's not in the picture. You see, I think you see Lallana running really late. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he's too late. But but you kind of look at it going, where's the centre forward there? But I, I don't think the problem's actually with Origi. I think the problem's with the squad because in a good squad, he would be your man you turn to when you want to see a game out and you want to get runners in behind full-backs and stretch the play, do all that kind of thing. At the minute, he's playing every game, so he's the player with his back to goal. He's the player they line on to get you the goal. And he's not there yet. So we're asking things of him that he can't deliver. And this is the thing where next season, you'd hope that Liverpool, whatever they do in the transfer market, they're not in that kind of situation. But... I do think there's there's enough there that again you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't just decide, nah, not for us now. He is still young as centre forward, going twenty two, twenty three, something like that. He's very young. He's got pace. He's got good energy. He's got a good work ethic. He has got good skill. And the time when there's close control with men around him is is something else. But 
all those other parts of his game, are, the weaknesses are undermining with the minute. So they're what's got to be worked on. But I hope that they do do that. I hope that Liverpool see, see him as a long-term project and not one you give up on too early. I mean, the other, the other, go on. No, I was just going to say, it's, it's funny with Origi because I thought his best period was 45 to 60 and that was probably Liverpool's as well. I thought Liverpool came out second half and played some actually pretty good stuff and it's a real shame they didn't get the second goal there because then, you know, even the Guardian, I probably have to say it's a, it's a, it's a good away <laughs> performance, you know, but but we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't get that goal then and then, and then you have all the, the problems with the last 20 where what we were offered have a bit of a go but in in that period he's I think he's he's, he's pretty good Origi he's getting involved in the play he's pulling defenders about he's he's a, he's a He's, you know, cause he is causing them trouble. But the problem with that is, you know, you can't you can't just play well when you when your team's on the front foot. You know, we need to find a way in that first half in particular to to find a way to to be of use to Liverpool. And he just hasn't quite got that at the moment. Yeah, when when Liverpool were on the front foot in that second half, and he he, he was part of it, and he has a couple of decent efforts, and and he's also you know in, in terms of his running, creating space for others. But you just think in the first half, it felt a bit like we were playing with playing with ten. And then you think, well, you might as well have Sturridge up there then because at least he might do something brilliant. He looked sharp when he came on. He did, he looked all right, yeah. yeah. So, I, think, I mean, Origi, for me, when he, when he plays in that central role, he isn't, um, his movement's not good enough from side to side and he tends to do most of his best work cutting in mainly from, from the left-hand side and that's where he gets that sort of trademark, trademark curl and shot off from. Um, but I'd, I'd like to see. I'd like to see, I mean, if he's going to play as the central uh, striker. And I'm not entirely sure that that is the best option. I think you could easily uh, interchange where Firmino was playing last night with Origi and play Firmino central and play Origi from the left. But if, if he's going to play central, he's, he's got to be a little bit more um, inclined to, to move out out wide because I, I just think he, he seems more comfortable and confident in those in those wider areas. Um, I think the part of the frustration with him as well is the fact that on on occasion when his confidence is up. He can look like a world beater, yeah, yeah. and some of his touches are incredible at times. And and then he'll revert back to a, a far more sort of a, a far more laboured way of getting the ball under control, and everything sort of happens a little bit too slowly with him. But then just every now and then, in the in, in the wake of him scoring against Bournemouth the other week with the, with the header, he had about five or ten minutes where his touch was just absolutely incredible, mm. and he was performing all kinds of tricks and, and moving away from his, his his man. But it seems to be something that he can only do. In five, maybe five minute spells, as opposed to throughout an entire game, when his his performance is a little bit more cumbersome at times. You've also got to look back to last spring, where I thought he was first name Liverpool team sheet before he got injured yeah. against Everton. He was outstanding yeah, up front yeah. in a different formation, different shape, and it suited them. But it, it, that is his his template at the moment. Klopp should be saying to him, "Look at Emre. Emre's been through these troughs, that, th- these difficult periods. You are still a young developing player in a foreign country. All the things which, which we tend to all forget when we watch these games, and that these are young developing players, and it's not always straightforward, and there will be ups and downs. But the, Emre showed them that there is a way back. There is a way to rediscover the form and maybe improve on on what you've shown previously. Previously, so. There's more than enough there, but I would I would hope that next season he's Liverpool's third choice forward or whatever. However they set up, however way you want to do it, now if they play through front, but he would be the second one you would call on after you get an injury rather than the first. Yeah, there's one final point on him though is that when when you've got that situation where Klein's lashing balls in towards the near post, if he's if he's going to be playing as a centre forward, I'd like to see him develop that capability to make a near po- near post run. He's very much very very often so quite flat footed. I think in the penalty area when Liverpool are going forward, he mm. doesn't seem to anticipate like a striker would. And I think you can co- I think you can coach that into players, and I'm sure that will be something that Klopp's got his eye on if he's if he's you know he still sees him as a central option. But um, as I said before, just generally comfortable uh, coming in from either side. That anticipation that Mike mentions. If you look at Lallana's shot, everyone's looking at the, the ball hitting the crossbar, but so is Origi. Yeah. It's the one thing he shouldn't be doing. You see him, I only picked it up on the replay. He actually watches it go over him. There's not there's not a moment in his mind where he thinks, turn and run. Mm. The, it's only when it hits the bar when he he actually makes a move. Now, if you go back to the Pooh's great, Robbie Fowler, for example, Ian Rush, Michael Owen, they would already be on the move, following it in. It's basic sense of forward play. I mean, the other thing, um, I mean, I. I want to keep sort of introducing this strand of, of what's got to be fixed, if you like, because it, it's the time of year where people are talking about that. And so because we're talking about the forwards, do what, 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 do you think, what do you all think Liverpool need to do? Because, I mean, we've scored 71 goals in the league, which is the same as Spurs, I think, mm. one less than Chelsea, I think, something like that. So, it, so that's good. 
You know what I mean? And and it's and we've but we've conceded as a forty-two or something like that in the league, and that's obviously what what you would say needs to be fixed if you like. And yet, nevertheless, people are talking about well, let's buy you know let's buy a dead expensive centre forward. People are saying they're still not sure about Firmino and things like that. And yet, we've scored all of those goals. And and, and also as well to twist it on its head. Um, you know when people say you know you need you need someone who's in, in the charts almost every year, like a Harry Kane or or whatever. Well, Man United have got Ibrahimovic in the charts, and, and look where they are in the league. Evan have got Lukaku. Yeah, I think it's. I think it, it, it is an obvious thing. It, not so much for us to fix, but we're going to need more personnel anyway yeah. next season. So yeah. it's, it's just an obvious thing to recruit one more. Um, and in terms of the goals return, I mean, for me, you know, he's got a respectable tally. Tally Mane has as well for the games yeah. that he's played. Um, I think there's also the issue of potentially Coutinho dropping further back next season from your, your first choice lineup as well. So there's the the scope for one more anyway, but you'd need one um, regardless of that for the amount of games that the Champions League would involve and the required quality to be playing in those games. So I just think it's an obvious thing for us to do if you can get someone who is. Uh, a little bit more prone to score 20 goals maybe than 12 or 13 then that's that's the ideal scenario finding that player obviously is uh, is is the big challenge but i don't think there's any there's any issue with us finding another striker i think we need one for the required quality and for the amount of games that we'll have Todd Klopp gave the game away the other the other day when he was speaking to the national journalists and uh, for those who don't know the national journalists speak separately to the manager to the broadcast journalist so the national lads go in with Klopp and they ask him about Brewster and Woodburn and their opportunities and he basically said we won't be relying on them next season mm. which, which, which which I found dead interesting the, the, the sign in the centre forward in other words that's shorthand for we are buying a forward yeah. and I'm taking it for granted that storage goes because then that's that's just run it's for whatever reason and, and we can point fingers this way and the other doesn't matter I think everyone sees which way is that heading so you buy a centre forward who can and will play more often uh, and I think Klopp will want a winger. I don't. I think I don't think it will be storage, storage replacements and another forward. It will be storage replacements and another winger. And that's the way he sees it. And that's the way he wants to play. Uh, but I, I just find it dead interesting. I think the season's gone on. Our priorities have changed slightly. I, in the autumn, I would have been saying you've got to go and buy a first choice goalkeeper, no matter what. Go and pay whatever it takes. Go and buy a keeper who. who puts everything straight in that position for years to come. Then all of a sudden, as the seasons wore on. Uh, Mignolet has become he was a bomb scare for a time his confidence was shot any cross that came in and Pardew said it last night every manager in the league worked on it yeah. and he knew it was a weakness and it was a weakness of, of belief in him from the defenders and it was just broken for loads of different reasons but I think over the last few games probably since Hull onwards you've looked at you have to look at Mignolet and whatever anyone thought of him previously you have to judge him on his form and his form for the last two three months I think has been very, very solid. Those against Watford last night, he was commanding, which is a word I've never ever used about him before. And I, I think you have to judge him on his form, not on any preconceived ideas you have of him. And you might think that we still need a goalkeeper. I think Klopp still sees Carius as his long term number one. Uh, and I think Mignolet's done enough to basically make. If there is a goalkeeper out there who's world class, who wants to come, who wouldn't affect the budget for a centre forward or for a centre back or a centre midfielder, fine, go and get him. But if all those boxes aren't ticked, I think Mini might well have just done enough to keep going. Well, the old adage about goalkeepers was that they improve uh, much later in their careers than outfield players, and I don't think we've ever, ever really given them the opportunity to to maybe fulfil on that idea. Um, but we are beginning to see it now. I mean, I'd, I'd argue that he's had a good season right from the right from the off, and I think it's as a season wears on, it's it, it's easy to forget saves that are made. And yeah. I remember, you know, even go back as far as Spurs uh, away, uh, right at the start of the season, he made an outrageous save that took saved my breath away from Arsenal, saved he? a penalty at Arsenal. I know, I know, he was blamed for the uh, Louise goal against Chelsea, but he made, saved a penalty from Costa in that. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't really be judged on penalties, but I think in 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 those sort of ten games against the uh, the, the the top six, if you like, there's been quite a few significant saves that he's made that have. Be, uh, go back a little bit further than this gradual improvement over the last couple of months. I mean, Man United back in January he was absolutely outstanding in that game. He made two or three outstanding saves in that game. So I think I think and. It, you, you could argue he was unfortunate to be dropped uh, at the time he was, and and I would I would argue that that was a mistake from Klopp um, because of the, I, I think he, he did it sooner than he needed to basically, and obviously then there was the confusion over Carrius. His response to coming back in has been has been superb. Um, other than the drop against Hull, 
Um, I think you'd be, you'd be hard pressed to sort of lay a particular goal on him uh, across 15, 20 Liverpool games. And I, I think he's be, he's beginning to prove people wrong. But it's it's not just in the the making saves that he's you know he's he, the vaunted shot stopper thing. His kicking is radically yeah, different now. I don't know who's been working with him on that, and you know maybe Achterberg for once comes in for some for, for some praise. But <laughs> the distance on his kicks, yeah, um, is, has changed radically. I mean, he's getting sort of twenty yards, and you can uh, hear further. him as well. He's yeah. communicating better. You can actually hear him in games, whereas you know he did seem to be sort of glued glued yeah. to his line almost, didn't he? And, and I, I think just the general improvement, the fact that he's continued to make saves, his kicking's improved. That is fed into a greater assuredness and confidence, and what. You see in that express, expressed in his willingness to come for balls, and that in itself obviously takes pressure from uh, the centre the centre backs. What one thing that came to me head before that uh, whilst we were chatting was that I think defensively this season, although the narrative is that we still struggled defensively, it's mainly been in and around set pieces. I think in open play, given the way that we've played at times very at times very expansively, we've actually coped pretty well. When Lover and Matip have been able to play together, we've defended re- relatively well. And um, what where we've been exposed at times is just from the set plays, and the, what, there weren't many of them last night. It was just an overall. And the good. ones, that, the ones that they were, they, they dealt with dealt relatively with okay. well. I mean, yeah. you know, the other thing that got highlighted on Sky as well before the game was was second balls on on set pieces as well, and you know, it made it therefore made you look for it. You, yeah. you know what I mean when you were watching a game and Liverpool. I think you know, and what, what, what you well. try and do, and obviously the, the, there's the talk about Van Dijk. We we need one more anyway mm. because for me, you know, Clavan, Cla- Clavan's not not good enough. Saka will probably be on his way. Um, beyond Matip and uh, and and Lovren, there isn't an obvious candidate really to to deputise. So the the thinking is you go out and you buy someone potentially who can challenge or is better than both of those, and then one one potentially drops to the bench. But that gives you the squad depth that you need, <coughs> so that when one of them's out, there isn't any uh, radical drop off in quality. Do you, do you think? I mean, I, I want to touch on this because we're giving Mignolet praise. I want to touch on this this Paul Doyle piece again in the Guardian today because I just found it bizarre that. It almost felt like to me that he'd written a piece knock on Liverpool before Liverpool had even played the game and then the game didn't change the piece almost. And it was, he, he had to go about Mignolet in, in the piece in relation to last night's game, in, in relation to a save he made. And I was and I couldn't understand that logic. He also had to go at the centre-halves and everything else the centre-half did well. Wofford had a sum total, I think, of two two shots on target. Do you, do you think, John, that, the, that and I think fans are guilty of this as well, do you think there's a bit of a almost a narrative about Liverpool this season about like because they were flying in, that, in, in October and because the football's different now it's almost perceived as a failure when the truth of the matter right now is they're the third best team in the country if you look at the league table yeah and I think I think there is an element to that I think I think we're, we're all kind of guilty of it as fans as, as, as well as I'm sure I'm sure kind of writers do it too it's it's the funny one the I think he is a, is a little bit slow to react to the one where he says but then he deals with it and it's a bit of a an unusual one he just sort of gets a bit caught out I think but but you know sorts it and I think I think we all kind of need to get into the mindset of you know sometimes a player is going to have a bad game and it doesn't mean that everything you you feared about him is right and you know Lovren's poor against Palace you know he he, he maybe isn't protected enough and, and things like that but he is poor but it doesn't and the contract situation is not an ideal time and not on the back of that but I think you know whoever we, if we get a new centre half next season he's going to have a bad game as well at some point and just because he hasn't done our heads in as much yet it doesn't kind of mean that you know that, that it's, it's it's any more of a, more or less of a problem it's that uh, you know sometimes a defender's going to have a, a bad game and you need to cover for that and I think we haven't found a way as a team enough to, to kind of to, to cover up to get our mates out of jail and I think to cover for mistakes so so Lovren makes it an error and it just seems to be a goal and you think well I see Stefan Ancho make headers but if you had sorted yeah. and I used to see you know Carragher had mess up sometimes and you know he'd have his mate there or whatever and you think you know without I, I, what I've quite liked about these these away games and this run of away wins and that's something as you say you know another club and maybe we pays for that but it's not fashionable to pay to the pool for that yeah. so it doesn't happen and I think that's what I've really liked about about these 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 sort of away games. This has been a mindset of oh, we're gonna we're gonna get through this together and, and we are who we are and who's playing who's playing and I'm not gonna worry about how is Lucas as good as Jordan Henderson. We've got, this this is what we've got and I think they've kind of had that mindset really and sometimes I think I think the players have maybe looked at injuries as a bit of an excuse themselves because that becomes a narrative. Oh, Liverpool can't do it because he's out so blah blah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas I think. I think there's been a, a bit of change in mindset. What Liverpool needs to do is, 
is to almost be able to flip with mindsets more within games and I think that's what top teams do I think you know we need to you know in these in these away games it's like oh this is like siege mentality back against the wall if you're like this is how we do it and then home against Palace you just forget all that because yeah. oh it's at home and you think well but I, I, th- I think the manager's part of that though yeah maybe I, yeah. I, th- I think I think it I thought the reaction to Lovren's performance against Palace was mad. I thought it was extraordinary. He had a bad game. There's no, he was a foul for both goals for me, and that is where it is. You can't take responsibility away from it. it's his fault. But then you got to look at the context. Of the other games. Now I think against Watford, against West Brom, uh, against Stoke, I think he's played really well in those three games. He's superb played, in the derby against he, Lukaku as well. Wasn't superb he? against Lukaku. United away when he had to babysit Trent Arnold. I thought he was superb that day. There's enough good games. The, the problem at Lovren is, is he. Yeah, there's no in between between his playing really well and really poor, and that's got to be sorted. That's something that's going to be addressed. Maybe competition for his place will help that. Uh, but I also think there's an element of of the way we set up. I think in our three away, most seasons away games, the centre halves have to play as centre halves with support. I think at Anfield you play centre halves and you're more exposed. Yeah. And Klopp said that. Klopp admitted that you you, you are tested more playing centre half for Liverpool in the way he sets up because he wants his full backs high. So if you look the way Liverpool set up. Lucas in front and the two centre backs. It's three defenders a lot of the time. So if you you make any kind of slip as a defender, you're going to get punished. Other teams you don't you don't have that kind of problem. You have security all around you. I was remember someone saying to me about you. Funny you mentioned Honcho. Someone said to me when he was playing well and getting a lot of credit. Let's see how good he is when he has to play ten yards further up the pitch because the best Liverpool defenders and penalty box defenders are the ones who who play midway in the half. And the minute he was asked to step out, and the minute Didi man was a little bit further away from him, he got exposed. And I, th- I think it is, it's you, as a manager, you have to find a way of playing with the players you've got. Mm. And then Klopp still find that balance at Anfield more than anywhere else. Yeah, and a, it, a lot of the times when, when Lovren has looked at his worst is when he, he, he gets dragged out and he gets outside of his penalty area and it comes down, comes down to the decision-making and timing. And I think sometimes that doesn't come particularly naturally to him. Um, I think the set piece t- side side of thing again. That's something you can you can work on. You can coach into defenders, but I think sometimes the actual decision making and be able be able to anticipate and come out at the right time. I think that I think that's a challenge for him. I think that's where he possibly lacks just a little bit of quality. Uh, bring him just to talk about positioning the centre half to bring it back to uh, the Watford game for a minute. Um, what, <laughs> what are they doing at the end? <laughs> No what? Why have they got? Ch- why, why? Why have our centre half got chances? When, no, when that was mad. When we're protecting a one 0 lead. Lovren's got a little bit of that in, in him. All, not so sorry. Yeah, Matip's got a little bit of that in him Fancies all the time. Himself, he, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the occasional sortie. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's been watching a few Alan Hansen videos. I think, but, <laughs> but he, he's actually very capable. And I think we, we've we've become. You've, you've, you've seen it seen it so rarely from Liverpool centre-halves over the year they've been very very disciplined centre-halves that comes from Carragher obviously setting you know setting the bar on on, on, on that thing um, it's a massive surprise to see Liverpool um, defenders go, go go further forward obviously in the circumstances of the last five or ten minutes <laughs> it, it seems a bit even more crazy but um, but as I say it, it's a huge shock to the system as Liverpool fans to see anyone coming that far far out of their, their, their position it was like I asked Klopp after the West Brom game I said to him about the the way Liverpool have played the kind of tactics they used the the discipline to use Mike's way that, that the players have shown in that game and is, is this a good sign? He said, yeah, but we're not there yet. He said, no one should take it that, that because we've done this games that we won't make mistakes in the future games. We've still got a lot more to do in that front, but we are playing much more grown-up football. And I think everyone agreed with that. Those games, you come away saying, yeah, they haven't been great, but it is a little bit more mature what they're doing, a bit more professional. And then last night, it was in the 92nd, 93rd minute, you two centre arse, one's crossing to the other. I can't think of anything <laughs> less professional. I was like... Everyone's the same. What are you doing? You've you've got one thing to do at this time in the game with a one 0 lead with Champions League football stake. Stay in your position. It's that simple. You, there's nothing else you have to do. And the marauding. If you four 0 up and made up, go and do what you like. Go and do back heels in the six yard box if you want. But one 0 up, no, go 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 to your own box and don't move. Yeah, it was mad. I, it was it was mad. I think everyone was screaming at that one, no matter where you were as well. And then and then there's obviously the situation where. Wofford at the bar, um, everyone's talking about luck and stuff like that. Doesn't really matter, does it? We've won. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had the bar as well. So yeah. it's, it's one of them. It, it evens itself out over the game. I mean, it's 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 heart and mouth stuff, isn't it, right at the end? But, you know, 
but generally speaking, you know, you look at it over the game and, and Watford didn't create a huge amount. No. And so they, they get one right to the end, yeah, and it's, it's you know, everyone kind of panics, but, you know, Jem, I think I was, you know, thinking on 70, oh, I don't think they've really, they've really done anything, really, yeah. you know, even when we weren't kind of creating enough, they, they weren't either, you know, we just had so much of the ball, especially in the, you know, from as I say, from forty-five to seventy, just looked in complete control of the game, and maybe just it, the problem was just not finding a goal then. And so there's always going to be a few nerves. But I think you know, you look at balance of chances created, you look at the balance of play, and I think Liverpool deserved that that win, and they got it. And it was you know, you're talking about the battles top four. It was in terms of the United and City ones. We had the toughest game, and we the one who won it. And so you, I think you've got to praise them for it. I, I think as well, if you look, because I looked this up last night because I was intrigued by it. Like what Watford's home records actually pretty decent this season and, and they've only they'd only lost five before they played us last night that's the Chelsea Arsenal Stoke City Tottenham and Southampton and, and in none of them really I mean they got beat 4-1 by, by Tottenham 3-1 by Arsenal but the others they're not they haven't been heavily beaten at home they've given everyone a game and, and it, it almost feels like that, that they've said to themselves well, this is where we're going to pick up our points and you know the manager afterwards as well was quite a uh, he wasn't giving Liverpool much praise and he was sort of saying, you know, they, they scored a worldie and they didn't have any other chances really. But then neither did Watford, so it was it was one of them. I thought what was interesting as well was um, was Klopp afterwards. I mean, we talk about this on so many shows now because he's been doing it all season, but just this thing on tra- trying to engender positivity really around Everton and Liverpool too. And he was, he was, you know, he was doing his uh, interview to the studio with 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 Carragher and with the the presenter and everything else and and Pardew and uh, he dropped a question in something like, you know, you've you've got into that position now where top four's in your own and you can qualify for the Champions League if you win the last three. He said something like, "But what if you slip off?" And, and Klopp mm. was absolutely fuming with him. But but what was interesting was he said, "You like asking that question, turning something po- so positive into a negative." He said, "You like you like the Liverpool fans," and then he said, "You like you like you Carragher," mm. and, and like Carragher look Carragher didn't look like he knew what to say. But but it's interesting that he, he's always prepared to turn on the fans like that and say, you know, say what about the part it, we need to play. I, I mean, you wrote it, it, you wrote a piece didn't you at the end of last week about everyone getting off from the Palace game. Yeah, I think he's trying to challenge perceptions, isn't he? And, and Liverpool fans are the product of what we've witnessed over yeah. the last. You know, you can go. You want to go back thirty years. You want to go back three years because we've become so used to disappointments and you know, sort of disappointments in in, in not being able to convert a title chance on a couple of occasions, losing cup finals, um, forever seem, seeming to sort of concede late crucial goals. And I think, you know, that does condition people's thinking. And I think, I think Klopp, right from the very beginning, you know, his original sort of doubters to believers quote um, was something that he felt was an important part of the psyche of football and you know you can talk about tactics all you want but mentality and the way that a club views itself I think is is, is something absolutely critical and he absolutely wants to challenge the, the the nationwide perception of what Liverpool is and if that feeds into the way managers perceive us as well um, and he wants to create a different narrative that Liverpool aren't weak defensively or that they've got a dodgy goalkeeper then that's part and parcel of it and I, I think he, he's always recognised the power of the media and that's why he's, he's so willing really to sort of chat freely on shows like this you compare that to say Benitez who, who wouldn't really sort of go into any any real de- uh, detail Dalglish was another one that shunned really the media as as a vehicle to, to change uh, people's thinking and I think he's absolutely right to do that and I also think his presence on the pitch at the end of the game and, and just creating that sort of that, that you know that one one thing mentality I think that that's absolutely critical fans really feed off that and obviously that's only in front of the away support last night I'd like to see him do that a little bit more at Anfield to be perfectly honest after the good results because it's that's one of his unique selling points is the fact that he's got this personality people absolutely I mean at the end of every game I'm, I'm dying for him to come down and salute the fans and I think he's he's a little bit rest, more reticent to do that than perhaps um, than, than we'd like but I think he could do it a bit more. Do you think um, it's still in his head about when he got all that shit after West After Brom? the West Brom, I think, yeah. That, yeah, the way that that was perceived. I mean, I gave him a bit of stick about that myself because I didn't think it was, it was that appropriate. But I think fans absolutely lap it up. And mm. if we're going to become a more positive fan base and, and less paranoid, then, you know, he, he, he's got a job um, to assist with that whole process. I, I think Liverpool are a critical point in history in terms of relationship with supporters. And I think that's clear in a number of fronts. Uh, that the piece that micro uh, about the Crystal Palace game was, was absolutely spot on the amount of fans that did leave early and I hold my hands up I left early I wasn't working I took me lad he was in school the next day 
Uh, and ideally, I want him in bed half seven. He's six. I don't want him yeah. up late on the school night. And, and the lesson that you learn from Anfield now, now that they've added the, the main stands, adding eight eight thousand seats. It isn't like to get away. Well, if you, if you leave Anfield now on the whistle. It's an hour and a half to get home. If you mm. leave two minutes before, you can be home in 15 minutes in my case. If you've got young kids, it's a logical thing to do. I think Liverpool need to work on that. I yeah. think it's something that you need to... How are we going to make it as accessible to and from the ground? What are we going to do? What are we going to do to make fans want to stick around? Do we? I know clubs now looking at having selling ale after the game. You're never probably doing it for the, for the rest of the season. We'll, yeah. we'll do that and sell it cheap. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Give yeah. lads a give, yeah, don't give call lads it a three food you, and, and charge yeah. seven fifty. Let, let's do Go all these things. Two pound pint after the game. Yeah, you, exactly. you've got you've got a manager who wants to put everyone together. Don't stand in his way. Yeah, let it happen. Do everything you can to allow it to happen. Whatever that is, whatever you think might make a little difference. Because I think Liverpool has become not a fractured club, but it's a club where people too easy doubt and too easy don't expect the best. And I think that whole mentality needs to be turned on its head. But to stand a chance, and I, I think that it's been going on for a long, long. I don't think it's anything new. I think it's accelerated in recent years for various seasons. But I think changing that dynamic is the key. As much as having a top manager, as much as having top players, is the key to Liverpool going to the next level. Because I think as long as doubt remains, as long as we don't think they can go the extra mile, they won't. Yeah, I mean it does. I mean we're all guilty of it. I mean I've done it. I, I think we're all. It's almost like a flick of switch, isn't it? At times, John just go, "Oh, fucking hell, here we go again." You know, you know, you could imagine it. As much as I hate to say, it, you could imagine it at the weekend. You know, yeah. we, we've got Southampton at home. You know, in in your mind, I'll say it again. I'd love, I'd love to go when it's all rocking and yeah. like we're, we're all right behind the team. More realistically, based on what I've seen over you know however many years, it's probably going to be a bit of a go at the start. If we if we don't score, it'll go quite quiet. If we concede, everyone will be absolutely fucking fuming immediately on the back. And 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 we are sort of, you know, I, I think there's the double the double it if you like the double whammy of our history, alongside the near misses, alongside, you know, having to cope with that we're not the Liverpool of, of old almost, and and that's that that's why we are so weird. <laughs> it's it's, it's a, like. You separate yourself from like the problem as well. You're like, oh, the fans need to do yeah, this, yeah, and I've yeah. heard so many fans who have been to matches, and I think, well, you're not all that, you know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people, people speak like, oh, the fans aren't loud enough, and I'm like, well, I've been to games with you, and you're not like starting all the songs or anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'm you do. <laughs> you're a nightmare. But oh, um... cops got a woolly twang. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Bob and Bob are very, very much exempt from that. But like, but yeah, but there's loads of Liverpool fans who I know. Who, like, oh, they'll talk a great game on the forums or whatever about what the fans should be doing and all that. And then they get in there and they're as miserable as everyone. So we still want to separate ourselves as well. We've got to think, well, well it's up to everyone, I mean, so I'll make it up to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, there's been games where I've been quiet and I, I, I'm a sort of notorious rabble-rouser, certainly in, in former years. I'm not, not as loud as I am because I'm approaching 50. And I think, I mean, this is a whole different conversation, but what's lacking for Manfield is youth and vibrancy. Uh, and it shouldn't, the responsibility for creating an atmosphere shouldn't lie on diehards you know fellas in their 40s and 50s and 60s who've been there and seen it all in the old days basically those fellas would join in with the with the younger fans who who haven't seen too much football who are going through their third and their fourth Liverpool seasons and are anticipating something really really exciting um, that's that's the thing that the club really needs to challenge how they do it I mean that's that's an entirely different question I don't I, I haven't got any um, sort of obvious answers to that but well, well I mean in, in, in recent weekend in two recent weekends this weekend just gone I've just been to Monaco which isn't known for great support but nevertheless they did have a, a small section of what you call ultras if you like and they were young lads with flags with loud ailers trying to have a go and it, and it got it got a go in a few times better than it would have been if they weren't there similarly well, well, and on another level to be fair I went to Celtic and again it, you know it, it's young lads down the front who were, who were getting that it's rail seating yeah. section going for 90 minutes non-stop and they're changing the perception among among that section of what it is to support the team I think it's the impact it has on the whole stadium if you've got an area yeah. like that and obviously Liverpool created the area at the back of the cop which was at the time I think it was the three blocks at the back was a sort of a designated standing and singing section and that's that's gone on the way and, and you know people still well, it's, stand it's, it was there, 20 years ago and it's the same fellas yeah, and, yeah. you know and and 
But I, I, I was concerned about this when the when the cop was seated. Is that and, and you know for for the people who, who remain on the cop, I mean, they they were in their twenties when that when when those season tickets were first issued. There's there's no reason, obvious reason, why they should stop going to watch and support Liverpool. But those guys are now in their forties and fifties. The, the demographic has completely changed, and where where supporters have stopped going the game and giving it up for whatever reasons, family, money. The slack has not been taken up by young people. It's been it's been picked up by just a, a generally more conservative person. Um, I think today's society is more conservative naturally, um, and you know whether whether you like it or not, that, that you'd probably say that most of those uh, spaces are now filled by your Premier League neutrals, as as I call them, um, who've got a, a slight favouring towards Liverpool, but they're not fully committed to Liverpool FC like a local fan would be or someone who's travelling sort of 200 miles every week um, I just think it's a, it's a different it's a different mentality of those people but I, I, it's you know as I say it's a completely different conversation isn't it I think the age issue is is vital and I, I, I don't want to glass, o, gloss over that you just dropped in that you went to Monaco at the weekend just, <laughs> just as you do the, uh, <laughs> it was a stag do <laughs> it was a stag do we went the but we're sending him to a different club every week <laughs> that's, what, that's what we do just keep away from Anfield <laughs> the, uh, the, I, my entire match going life I went with my dad and my mates would come with me and my dad and I'd stand next to my dad or sit next to me down the cop there were times I couldn't sit next to him because he was unbearable he was a narc reserve, <laughs> reserve games all you could hear was his voice just shouting abuse to the opposition players and I used to die but, <laughs> but in big games I'd be giving it the bifters giving it absolutely everything singing my heart out I'd be looking at him and he knew he knew all the words but he just stood there watching the game yeah. it's each an age where you stop doing that yeah. that kind of passion that drives you when you're 15 onwards to about 30 odd that does Dilute as you get old, there's no way around that, and it does. Mike, spot on. It has to be replaced, otherwise it disappears. But there's something that I think Liverpool also do, which, which, which is now full. I think we set the bar too high. I think we're allowed to have games where there is much of an atmosphere. Yeah. I, I, it didn't stop us in the 70s and 80s, more the 80s than anything else. If you go back to the 80s and 84, the average attendance about 34,000 when there's endemic unemployment. Those games we watched in the silence. Those yeah. games we just watched and knew we were going to win. And we're comfortable in that knowledge. So why are you going to be passionate about this? Liverpool's going to win. Yeah. And it's every day, every game. Southampton home can't in the league when you're going for fourth or third isn't going to be Saint Etienne. It's just not. But it can be better, and yeah. that's what we've got. And, to aim and for. I think it's. Yeah. I'll just say sorry, Mike. No, I think in terms of we always think his atmosphere is, is singing for ninety minutes as well, and it doesn't have to be this kind of drone of, of singing that that you have in Germany. I think. Just making Anfield a more positive place where and a more narky place. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, we've, go, for go both, in the yeah, opposition. Yeah, support, support our lads and, and and give them hell. And I think I think you know to I think creating that just important, but in fact probably more important than how many versus the scouts are telling me. You know, you know, yeah. you know what I'd have a banner order for, and it does my head in Anfield. We now get our own players booked. If I, one of our players ties in for attacking the area, what are you doing? He goes straight to his pocket. What are you doing? He's just snitched a thousand thousand grass. I think there was the Spurs game at, at Anfield last season, and Sacco uh, went in with a challenge, and the cop basically gave Spurs a pen because uh, yeah. with, with the, the groan, it was like oh, it never got. I don't think it got given in the. Doing that to Manila as well, though, weren't they? Every time yeah, he tries yeah, to yeah. catch the ball. And, but it, I think again, it's, it's all about that paranoia, isn't it? You know, that's the thing. And you know, for the most part, people are, are really into the idea of Liverpool winning. And the way, but the way that it's expressed now is different. Is different. I think in the context of this, this season as well, I think people. And I know this because I feel it personally. I've struggled with the whole notion of what looked like a title challenge suddenly dying in the space yeah. of about a fortnight. And in part, it was down to Chelsea's relentless. Um, run of wins where they you know they, they put thirteen on the bounce. And basically, the whole the whole aim for the season seemed to change in a fortnight. And and coping with the fact that you're just challenging for Champions League, it's not going to be as intense. It, it, it can't be. But at the same time, there's this sense that you, you, you we could miss out, and we could miss out not just on the title, but you could blow top four, and that preys on preys on people's minds and on their nerves as well. Um, they just need to get, get over it, basically. Well, three games left, just to finish up then. Three games left, uh, Southampton on Sunday. Uh, sorry, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday? Sunday, half Sunday. one. Half one, bouncing. But, I mean, what do you see happening with the with the side? Because, you know, Lalana was influential when he came on. Uh, we haven't really talked about him too much, but, I mean, I think I think universally everyone would say that he was he was good. So, you know, does he get a start? Um, Sturridge looks sharp. But realistically, does he really get a start? I mean, what, what, what do you see happening? I, I would, I'd make one change, and it would be Lalana for Origi. 
and I would go with Lalana's one of a three or from Coutinho and Firmino. I'll get Firmino back central. I think that's vital at Anfield. You can get away with a little bit away from home. I think at Anfield you've got you've got to have him there uh, to play through. Uh, I'd, I'd leave Lucas in the midfield. I think it's it's an accident insurance at the back and Southampton's big strength their wide players they've, they've got the kind of wingers you can hear so as we were saying earlier our full backs aren't on the best of form right now so I think we can give them a little bit more protection but in the knowledge that we've still got enough going forward of the three games this is the most difficult Yeah, it's it's the one that I look at it's the most it's the one where you think if you win you're probably just about there and it puts pressure on everyone else if you lose the pressure comes back on you it's also the best of three sides you've already beaten us knocked us out of the cup competition and I think Southampton are one of those teams that I think next season they should be looking to take another step up I think they should be uh, sort of where Everton are now I think they should be in that seventh sixth place uh, and looking to to kick on because I think they got some very very good players any advances on that? I'd, I'd be looking to go a bit more attacking than Tony I think part of the problem is at home is that we've looked at attacking players shorts and you know you talk about what Palace did on the break but they also I don't think they really had enough to, to worry about so I'd be looking to get um, Lalana in midfield and then it's probably Lucas who, who drops out and then Emre Chan going to, to, to the base which is maybe a bit harsh on Lucas but I think I think Shan can, can get about a bit more and, and help out his fullbacks a bit more and then I'd probably look to give Sturridge a go just because he looks so sharp at the weekend, and it's not really happening for Ouija at the moment. I say, well, you know, that was that was a nice. Would you start him though? Because I mean, do you not think one of the things with Sturridge was? Yeah, I mean, because Sturridge there is coming on against tired legs, isn't he? And he, he goes past two, and it looks great. But can he do that for, for, from the start when everyone's fit and fresh? I think it's two training sessions in a few weeks. So they, I think if he listen, if he trains all week, flies. Yeah. I think then he gives the manager this season. I think where he is now, I think starting's a big ask. There's, but in terms of ability, we'll see. Yeah, I, I I can't see Sturridge starting just because of the whole scenario around him that's that's been there all season really. Um, I, I I sort of be inclined to keep Origi in, but I might just think about switching Firmino back into the middle and letting play from the left. All right, uh, that's been the Anfield wrap. Um, just to give you a shout, this this is a free show. Uh, we do do uh, the tour player, which is a, a series of subscriber shows. It's five pound a month. Uh, there's loads on there that, as usual. Uh, so give that a go. Uh, if, if for whatever reason you don't fancy that and you just want to support us in another way, uh, please give us a review and rate us on both iTunes and on the Facebook page because that all helps to sort of get the word out there and uh, keep it all going, really. So uh, thanks to Tony, thanks to Mike, and thanks to John. That's been the Anfield app. Sports Social Podcast Network.